the rugby, the footy, the horses, the golf, the ga. Students, whatever you're a fan of, fuel your passion for sport with a little help from Vodafone X. Switch today and never miss a moment with Sky Sports Mobile TV and 20 gigs of 4G data for just 20 euro top-up, plus 100 minutes of calls and unlimited tax. Now that's more fuel for more fun. Search Vodafone X now. For full terms, conditions and limitations, including our fair usage policy, see Vodafone.ie. TOT cast. We have a special uh, episode today as we're going to be previewing our good old Toronto FC as they head into the MLS Cup. So me and Jake Middleton here are going to bring you through this. I know we usually talk Leafs and Jays, but we figure we got to give the actual team with the chance to win a championship some love, huh, Jake? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're actually the first team to actually make it to a final since the Blue Jays in 93, so... Had to had to do something for it, and it's been pretty exciting thus far too. So I guess we can't count the Argos winning the Grey Cup in 2012 as a as a make a team uh, make it to the final. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry from well, an American's point of view. Now, see, obviously here because we have the MLS, which is an American, basically American based uh, league where we get three Canadian teams. So I can understand. Uh, I can understand the reference there. So you think this is the biggest Toronto? I guess sporting event in the last, let's say, decade. Ooh, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it's the first team, as you said, first team to be in a championship game since the Jays when they went to the World Series. I know. I guess the only comparison would be the Jays making it to the uh, ALCS, but or the Raptors making it to the Eastern Conference Final against yeah. LeBron James. Yeah, it was pretty big. But I mean, this. I think the difference between those. And what we're going through with TFC is people actually we have feel like there's a legitimate chance that a championship will finally come to Toronto, albeit okay MLS is not exactly a high tier league like at the MLB or the NBA, but the fact that TFC is finally getting there after being in the league for a decade, I think there's definitely a reason to be excited. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for all the soccer pundits around the globe saying it's not a real league, I mean. Maybe it's not as compared to the Premier League or the Serie A or La Liga, but it's our league. It's here, and you know people consume it. They got the second highest attendance of, I'm pretty sure, any major sports league in the U.S. Uh, so, I mean, you we got to support it. And it's it's our team. People have come out strong, and obviously, I buy you can tell the buzz is is getting pretty big. So, it definitely has some importance to the city of Toronto. Yeah, see, like, obviously, you know, you and I could probably say that we're big hockey. You know, hockey's our number one. We got the NFL and MLB. I mean, for me, the NFL is kind of my close two with uh, MLB. Obviously, you're big with the NBA. Soccer's kind of like our more of like our casual follower. You know, it brings us good joy. We're, we kind of just watch it when things are going well. Uh, obviously, though, I, I mean, I've been kind of watching TFC off and on since they came in the league. Uh, but it's been kind of hard to follow them for the last. Well, I think since they brought Jovinko, things have turned around. But uh, it's been it's been a tough time for this team, and 
I think they're finally it's finally a good time for their fans to actually get something to be excited for. Now, we've we've obviously seen the magical it's kind of dominant play in the first two rounds against the Union and going up against New York City FC, but this this Eastern Conference final, the the two legs there against the Montreal Impact probably were one of the more I wouldn't say competitive, but the most bizarre games I have seen in like since I've watched soccer. I mean, I've watched many Serie A games with Juventus. I've watched a lot of World Cup and Euro Cup games with Italy. I have never watched two games of so- like of soccer that have gone this bizarre. Starting with the game in Montreal with the turf issues, and then this game uh, in at BMO Field where it was, you know, off. There was a lot of nervous energy, and then it just kind of got away from Montreal at the end. There, have you ever seen two games in an uh, in an aggregate score like that, Jake? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I think the the closest, uh, games that I've seen that has been that crazy over air, uh, aggregate would be last year in the Europa League semifinals, Dortmund versus Liverpool, where Liverpool scored, uh, the famous, you know, three goals in, in like the last 10 minutes to advance to the final over Dortmund. I mean, that was pretty crazy, but I mean... It's, I think it's the first time I've watched uh, an MLS game where literally there's so much going on and and you're actually you know you're you're holding your breath at every single every single dribble of the ball because the defense was so porous and you know there were turnovers everywhere but I mean it was really fun to watch. Now, see, obviously up here in Canada, I mean, TFC is starting to get some of its. Uh... I guess bandwagon fans, as you call it, since uh, you know the game sold out very quickly, uh, in mere minutes. Three minutes. I mean, that's just I think uh, typical Toronto. When anything is going well, it's going to be a hot ticket. Um, what do you think this is going to mean for soccer in Canada? Obviously, we're not at that stage yet internationally to call ourselves. I mean, we our biggest thing is trying to get into the World Cup, and that's just. When you got teams like Panama and Mexico who are well well ahead of you when it comes to qualifying, but being in the states, Jake, you've seen how probably the MLS has kind of shaped U.S. soccer. Do you think that effect is making its way to Canada? Or do you think there's still some uh, some work to be done there? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to go. There's a long way a long way to go still. I mean, you want to be thought of as one of the best leagues in the world, and they're they're getting there, but they're not there yet so you know but it definitely has an effect on on uh, soccer canada i mean look at the women's team and it, it's it's kind of just embarrassing for the men's team that they can't even make it to the hex for god's sakes i mean they, they get out qualified by honduras i mean we're a relatively uh rich country in terms of gdp and you go got 40 million people there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to make their way to at least the final qualifying sections for the World Cup and even you know Copa America and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on it because like it's not like Canada. I mean, when you think of Canada, it's not a uh, a country that's not able to put any investment into its sports teams. I mean, we're starting to see with uh, Canadian basketball with the young stars and it's kind of coming up on the rise. I mean, Canada is always going to be dominant hockey baseball. Obviously there's, it's kind of the same situation as soccer where we've got good players, but the, 
the depth and the competitive is not there yet. How how I don't understand how soccer is not able to kind of grasp your can considering like basketball, it's not a hard game to get into considering you don't need much other than, you know, a ball and some shoes. And some shoes. Like it's just like basketball. Yeah, I mean it, it did make sense to me, but I think the big main thing is you have to have your own league. And that was kind of the, the thing in the in the past for for at least men's soccer. I mean Every major team uh, in the world stage obviously has their own league where they develop their own players and come through. And I think it's big that you know Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal, the big metropolises, have have their own uh, uh, academies for their own players to come through. And it's starting to see with with actual players coming out of those academies. And it'll be uh, it'll be cool to see. Maybe one of those guys will will be the big time star that goes and plays over in Europe. Obviously. We're hoping that with with Kyle Lahren, the striker for Orlando City, he looks really good and is poised to be in Europe one day. But um, again, you just need more and more of those guys. I mean, look at the United States; they're still, yeah, they're qualified, but that's probably because they have three hundred and forty million people. I mean, this is probably the first time the U.S. has ever had a superstar player, and it's uh, it's Christian Pulisic who's started today versus uh, Real Madrid for a uh, Borussia Dortmund. I mean. They haven't had a all-star player since him. I, I mean, there's been plenty that have been touted, you know, Freddie Adu and all those guys. But, I mean, I think this is finally the player that hopefully can put them over the top, like a Ronaldo or a Messi or a Bale or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I think of, obviously, Canadian soccer – uh, definitely a long way to go. I don't really see that superstar player that maybe like the states have or those recognized international players like you know a Josie Altador or Michael Bradley. Those guys there have built up, you know, the reps in international soccer. So going into this into this playoffs, obviously people were wondering whether TFC could get over the hump, especially defensively after. What what was I, I will never forget that game against Montreal last year in that knockout round, and we almost had a repeat of that. Uh, going into that that game at the Big O, uh, obviously the delay didn't help, but being down three nothing, I mean, you and I were watching the game, we were chatting chatting in the group, and we were just, I, I guess the word for me was dumbfounded because I couldn't believe it was happening again where TFC went down went down early not just they went down they went down early and had to claw back and obviously those two goals uh on the road in Montreal were very very big especially to give them a confidence boost but what what were your thoughts in that for after that first leg were you happy that they got the two goals or were you more disappointed that they probably should have won that game and they kind and they kind of let the emotion of that game get to them for our, from Montreal's point of view, or from Toronto's point of view, Uh yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty tough. I mean, obviously the it's such a sham that they had to play in such a terrible uh, field environment. I mean, it, it was such a sham that you know they did it as a cash grab, and I I hope it worked for them because you know maybe they can use some money to put actual turf in if it's going to be used, but. Um, I mean, it's it kind of just went, looked like early on that they were really upset with the field surface and they wanted everybody to know it. 
and they kind of fell asleep. And Montreal, all good on them. They did really well on the counterattack. But, I mean, Toronto FC just, they kind of blew it early on. You know, they were really outplayed early on. Maybe that's because of the delay or they weren't used to their surroundings. But you got to give it to Montreal for putting away their chances. And they did that uh, early on. But thankfully, they came back and scored a couple goals. Got away with a few uh, pretty bad pushes by Josie Altador, but I think they'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I think just the emotion of that game, and obviously, I, I I understand the whole cash grab scenario. I mean, when you have a chance to have sixty thousand fans pack into the Big O, I think, especially a team like Montreal, where their stadium is not the biggest, especially in capacity, I can understand why the decision was made, but. Considering the no, the amount of time they had to get ready for that, you you would think just to have turf in the playing area it didn't have to be the whole the whole you know the whole field. Just the main playing area, kind of like how TFC has it. I didn't understand that. Um, I know that they had new turf put in for the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and then it was taken out to be put at the training grounds. But I think that was a big. Uh, it was a big letdown. It was a big opportunity missed by Soccer Canada, who could have stepped in, I think, to kind of give the give a, a better atmosphere, a better experience for the players in their first leg of the East Conference Final. But luckily, there was another game uh, back at BMO Field, which had its highest attendance, uh, over 36,000 fans packed into BMO Field. With the rain, I, I was... Uh, I wondered how the rain was going to play a factor, and considering that the Grey Cup was played not too uh, not too long before the uh, before the game, what when you were watching that game, what was your thought of the atmosphere? Just the atmosphere, not the game itself, but the atmosphere of the fans in in this in BMO Field like that. I thought it was the best atmosphere I've seen at a game in a long time. I mean, it was loud. All the time. I mean, after the the Ricketts goal, I actually thought that the state or the grandstand was going to fall fall down. It was that loud. I mean, it was pretty incredible to see the the pure noise that came out and the fact that they were singing and were loud for literally all 120 minutes. It was pretty insane to see, and it's definitely something that I haven't seen at, at a sporting event. Uh, in Toronto, outside of the Blue Jays, in in a long time. That's... I mean, just just the decibel level. I guess it's because the sheer amount of people. It had thirty six thousand over you know twenty thousand at a basketball stadium, but it was it was uh, impressive. It was deafening for sure. Like I've been to, I went to one of the Jays game. I went to both the wild card game and the elimination game against Cleveland. It was loud at the Rogers Center, but I also take into account that the roof was closed for one of those games. But then when I was when I saw that atmosphere at BMO Field, I mean, we've always talked about how the atmosphere is is such a unique thing with TFC. I think kind of a reason why it's become such a big draw in Toronto as opposed to let's say the Leafs, the Jays, Raptors, and the Argos. When I when I see this atmosphere, I think that just adds another element to the game. I think that's kind of the I think that's kind of the reason why TFC was able to pull away with the win because when when I watched that game early on, it did not look good again. I mean, this team has had a tough time getting 
getting going in the game. Uh, a lot of their goals have kind of come later uh, in in the game. I, I, I don't know if that's going to work against uh, Seattle, which we'll get to in a second. But when I watched that second leg, I, I found us kind of uh, astonishing that they were able to turn things around after not only giving up the advantage with the away goals, but to go into extra time, lose Sebastian Jovenko to an injury. Obviously, it wasn't a big injury to keep him. that's going to keep him out of this game, but good enough to keep him out of extra time. But for them to lose him and score two goals in extra time after you you basically had tied it on aggregate, uh, people were kind of wondering what was going to happen next time because obviously anything can happen next time. When it was going into extra time, Jake, what were your thoughts? What did you think was going to – were you kind of nervous? Were you excited? What was What was going through your head? I don't know. I mean, I was really nervous when Didier Drogba came on because I kind of thought that he would be the guy that would just put the dagger in their hearts because, you know, he did it last year. I mean, he he killed them last year. And and when I saw him come on, I'm like, oh, this is a guy that has the pedigree. He scored huge goals in World Cups and Champions League finals. You know, I thought when he came on that they were going to lose that. But, I mean, as the game wore on – you kind of started to see that Montreal did not have the fitness of, of TFC. I mean, they were they were worn down. They looked really tired, and, and they looked they looked their age and they looked old. I mean, whereas Toronto had some you know younger legs, and obviously Greg Vanny's uh, you know made his money on having by his accounts the the most uh, fit team in the league, and, and it looked like that way. And I mean, when. Tosain Ricketts came on, and unfortunately, after Javinko uh, had a cramp, and uh, Ben Washeru came on, yeah, no, that that was a pretty nice cross by uh, Beta Shore. And and when I when I saw it going in, I'm like, I have a feeling that this is going to be the way it happens. You know, a guy that has basically not played at all this season just comes in and makes an instant impact for TFC's best player. It was uh, it was pretty it was pretty funny to see. Which goal in the game was your favorite? Oh, I think the second one by uh, by Josie Altidore right before half on the corner, where him and uh, him and Javinko were talking, and you could tell they they designed that, and and he just said, you know, go near post, and I got it. And that was a really really nice header. I mean, say what you will about the the skill level in, in MLS, but that that was a world class header right there. I mean. To be able to move and run and score short post near post on a on a goalie on any goalie is insanely impressive, and, and outside of that would probably be probably be the Nick Hangling goal. I yeah, mean, all one. of them were pretty incredible goals, but you know it would have to be the second and third one because I don't know. I it, outside of that header that Nick Hagelin scored, I didn't really see them ha- posing a major threat at goal outside of that, and you know obviously it was a beautiful header. And they just killed them on set pieces the whole night. So, yeah, Hag- but definitely that my the second goal was my favorite. Yeah, Hagelin was mine because just because of the energy that he brought, and it was kind of like the unlikeliest guy I was expecting to score in this scenario. Um, but no, the Altador goal was. I mean, when when you think about like how many times have you seen you know, in hockey a guy on the faceoff talks with another play Crosby. We think about Crosby in the playoffs where he talks, uh, I think it was uh, with Sheary, and they had a set play going, or Latang, they had a set play going. And then maybe you'll see it in uh, you know, in football where the quarterback tells the receiver to change the play. 
I mean, yeah, audibles. Audibles. Like I've never, I've never seen it in soccer work that way, especially off a corner where you think if when when Jovinko and Altador were talking, Montreal would kind of get the hint that oh maybe that they should spend a little more time looking at Josie Altador. I, I don't know if you saw Vanny's reaction before and after the play, where I think it was he the play was set to go to Will Johnson. And, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't happy about it before. No, I'm pretty was, sure he was he was seen screaming at them and yeah, he was, and then it worked out. And then at the end of the game, he's like, "I'm perfectly fine with that because that was not what I drew up at all." Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of incredible. So they get uh, they get past Montreal, they get to the MLS Cup. Uh, obviously, Seattle is not exactly the easiest one, but it's not the hardest opponent I don't think for them. But when you look at this. Look at the Seattle team. I mean, people were talking about how, how this turnaround that they had. I mean, it was kind of in July. The team has was six, two, and twelve. So twelve losses, six wins, ten points back of a playoff spot. They fire their head coach. Uh, they bring in the assistant coach to take on the job, and they went twelve of the last fourteen games. Uh, I'm sorry, they get 12 points in the last 14 games, eight wins to get fourth in the World West Conference, and now they're in the MLS Cup. Obviously, Seattle, we don't we don't talk about them a lot since they're in the West, but I think other than TFC, Seattle is probably maybe the equivalent of TFC in the West, considering when you look at their fan experience, the stadium, considering they play over. Uh, they play at the same stadium as the Seahawks. What are your what what when you think of Seattle? Do, do, they, do you find that they pose a big threat? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the thing that it just proved is outside of obviously they had injuries with uh, and they had Obafemi Martins leaving for China and Clint Dempsey getting injured was unfortunate, but it just shows what you know money can do for you. I mean, they spent money and they got a class player. They got a really good player and Nicola Darrow from. Boca Juniors, and that really turned around their season. It was a great signing for them, and I mean, they obviously have some really good players over there. I mean, they're I'm pretty sure their back four is, is pretty pretty stout. Um, they got some really good offensive weapons, and and obviously Jordan Morris, the the U.S. Uh, men's national team striker, and obviously Nico Ladero, who's probably the best number ten in in the whole league, and. I mean, outside of that, uh, today I was watching Fox Sports Business, and um, Alexi Lawless, who's a Fox Sports commentator and played for the U.S. men's national team, had a comment saying, you know, uh, Toronto, they love their soccer. Same with Seattle. These are the, This is the biggest MLS Cup ever because it's between the two biggest soccer markets in, in North America, and it's something I agree with. I mean, it, I don't want to sound like... Uh, like I'm not, I'm not hoping TFC wins. But if there was another team that I would want to win, it would be Seattle. I mean, considering the the crowds they pack in for each and every game, I mean, it's impressive. They're they get you know forty thousand a game for MLS for an MLS team is pretty pretty absurd to think about. And you know they have a lot of they're run by you know some smart guys. They got some some big time U.S. players that. I'm a fan of. I'm a big Clint Dempsey fan. They're owned by uh, Drew Carey from Whose Line Is It Anyway? So, uh, I mean, you obviously like seeing passionate fan bases. That's who you root for. Well, in my opinion, that's teams I, I root for is teams that have 
you know, fans who are really passionate about the game, and they definitely would deserve it. But obviously, I hope TFC wins. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a huge game, in my opinion. I think it's going to break shadow records in the U.S. and in Canada. I mean, you got this is probably the dream matchup outside of maybe L.A. and Toronto or L.A. or New York City and, and Seattle. You know, this, these are two big time fan bases, and you know, based on how quick tickets sold out and what people are asking for tickets, it, it really proved that this is going to be a huge game. Yeah, I mean, okay, when you look at the two teams, I, I can't see a team that teams that have had totally different paths to this championship. You look at Seattle; it's their first time making it to the MLS Club, just like Toronto, but they have made it to the playoffs every season since they came into the league. They've won the Supporters' Shield. They've been to the Western Conference Final twice. This is Toronto FC's second time in the playoffs and first time making it to the MLS Cup. So, obviously, there's a lot There's a lot at stake for both teams. I mean, both teams would definitely like to come away with the win. But who do you think stands to have the, the – who has the most to lose in this game? For me, I think it's Seattle, just on the sheer fact that they've – been they've been there so many times they've had the chance it's their first obviously it's their first time making it to the MLS Cup but I mean considering that they've kind of been in the in the playoffs every year they've kind of had chances every year and to finally have that chance and maybe have it slip away I think they have the most lose but who do you think is it Toronto or is it Seattle I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna have to agree with you that it's Seattle but honestly just by looking at it I don't think any anybody's losing here by by having them both in the final. I mean, this is, as you said, this is the first time for both of them that they're in a final. And, you know, they're relatively new franchises. I mean, they're both, what is it? Uh, about ten, Seattle's like six years old and Toronto's almost 10. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's just personally for, for Toronto and Seattle, I think they spent a lot of money and they put in the correct resources, so they deserve it. But, I mean, I don't want to sound like someone who's... Uh, who's just, you know, willing to go out and say, yeah, we're okay with losing it and we're just happy to be here. But I think it's just a big step to for both these teams to get over the hump and, you know, finally have something to show for all the support they've gotten and, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I think for TFC's fans, they have to be really uh, – they have to be really uh, proud of what this team has been able to accomplish. I mean – when you look at, I mean, the biggest failure I think in uh, recent memory for like Toronto sports was this whole Jermaine Defoe uh, marketing campaign that TFC did, you know, the whole bloody big deal, just for it to fall apart. Uh, I mean, Jovinko, just just think about it. Like, well, ever since he's since he's been with Toronto FC, they've made it to the playoffs both years. Um, so I I can't think of a better of a better matchup as you were saying and I mean when you, when we look at this game obviously the I all eyes will be on uh Nicholas Lodiero for Seattle and Jovinko for Toronto but who do you think has been Toronto's best player in the playoffs Josie Altador bar, bar none and ha, don't you find it kind of strange that well not strange but ironic that most people were questioning whether he should continue to be with the team after all those Bad runs in, running with injuries, uh, and just not having that other guy to play with for until, until they brought in Jovinko. 
Don't you kind of find it ironic that he's the one that stepped up most in this playoff round? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously just kind of a testament to the guy that uh, Josie Alcador is. I mean, he's extremely talented. I mean, as a U.S. soccer supporter, I know that. He, he's just been a guy that, you know, lit up the Eredivisie in the Dutch League with uh, AZ Alkamar. And, and, you know, with Sunderland, he came in with much fanfare. And, I mean, he's just kind of always been below expectations. And then in the 20, 2010 World Cup where he tore his hamstring and it kind of really derailed the U.S.'s uh, chances early on, uh, he's always been that guy where you're always wanting more and you're starting to get flashes of it. And if if they win, it's going to be because he scores a goal for what would be the sixth consecutive playoff game which is already an MS, MS, MLS record at five. And, I mean, he's just a guy that you have to root for. Yeah. I mean, the other guy we're obviously rooting for here is uh, Sebastian Jovanko. Me, because he's Italian, me from being from my – I always – I mean, when he came to, uh, to the MLS, when he came to Toronto, I said this is probably the biggest acquisition. I mean, obviously, people were all making a big deal of the of the Jermaine Defoe one, and I said this is going to be even bigger. Many people were kind of uh, I don't say skeptical of Joe. I mean, some were skeptical just based on his size, whether this, his size would fit in the MLS, which is a more physical brand. The fact that he fell out of favor with Juventus, and then he comes here and he absolutely lights up the league. And when I mean light it up, I mean. There was no team that really could shut him down. They would just try to contain him because if they w- if he wasn't scoring, he was setting up somebody else. And we saw that in the second second leg where obviously he didn't score, but he set up a probably a very crucial goal with Altador. Uh, and then the team rallies together when he has to leave with an injury, which shows just the character of the team and what he what he means to the team. I think if they're gonna win this game, Altador is going to be important, but I think Jovinko is going to have to be the reason why because you're going up against probably the the second best player, one of the probably the second best player in the league in the year. You have to be the best player, like you have been all year and all and since you've come in the MLS. So, basically, what I what I want to say here is like when when you look at this this game here, obviously Seattle's not the biggest offensive team. They do have goal scoring. They probably don't have the same depth of goal scoring that that TFC has. But when you look at this game, what's gonna? What do you think is gonna be the deciding factor? I think it's gonna be the battle between uh, Joe Altidore and the center back pairing. Uh, I think it's I think it's Chad Marshall and Roman Torres. I think I, I heard them say. But I mean, it, he's obviously a big physical guy. They're big physical guys. So it's going to be a battle down there, and and obviously, I mean, the left backs and right backs, and and how they handle uh, Sebastian Jovinko. I mean, last time they played, they played him pretty well, but they also played TFC when they didn't have guys like Michael Bradley or Josie Outsor, which are their second and third best players. So I mean, that's pretty big uh, to not have on your team, but that's for sure going to be the main matchup to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean. One thing, obviously, the TFC has going for them is the fact that they're hosting the MLS Cup. Uh, which is huge. Which is, I think, massive, considering how well they played at home in the playoffs. Uh, 
Um, I, I'm really also curious to see. I, I think the key for for TFC is if they can survive the first 30 minutes, because the first 30 minutes have been killer for them. Uh, when I, especially against Montreal, where they led in goals pretty early, I think if they can survive the first first 30 minutes without giving up a goal, it. it and as the game goes on, they're going to wear this Seattle team out. And I think that's going to be the – that should be the game plan for Greg Vanny, considering, as you said, this team is very uh, very fit. They should be able to go toe-to-toe with them for the full 90 minutes and even extra time. Would it surprise you if this game went to extra time? Uh, I want to say yes, but not really. I mean, they, they seem kind of, you know – uh, similar in in the sense that they have the big name players, but they also have really good depth players that they have signed and 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 have picked up, and they're a really good team overall. Um, I think it. I think I would be really shocked if it went to extra time purely because I just don't think it happens in major finals. I mean, then again, actually, it might, considering it happens in Champions League all the time, but. You know, I, was, I wouldn't be—I wouldn't really be surprised, but I, I feel like there's going to be a winner after the first uh, first ninety minutes. All right. So as we kind of draw an end here, your prediction for the game? Um, I'm predicting that TFC will win two to one. All right. So you're going I, two to one. I just think that uh, being at home is is such an added advantage and. They're going to want to put on a, a show for 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 the fans of Toronto, and I think it's the city's going to be rocking on come Saturday. All right, I'm going to say that yes, they're going to. I don't think Seattle's going to get more than one goal, but I think TFC is going to get three. I'm three, go with, three I'm one. Gonna, I'm going with a three-one score. Only reason why is I think Jovinko is going to get two goals. Wow. So I I have this weird feeling that. They're going to get a penalty or, or something, That's, or a red card or something like that. Something weird's going to happen. Uh, TFC has to really watch. They they have a tendency to get really really physical. Like Armando Cooper is one guy that's going to have to really really watch. Altador is going to have to watch because you, you for sure the refs are going to be very stingy with those whistles. If they can avoid those problems, they should have no problem going. And I think. I think Seba is gonna gonna draw some calls. I think if he gets, a, he's probably gonna get a penalty kick. That's where I think he's gonna get one of them, because in those big games, that's where he usually gets his where his magic happens. So, um, that I'm gonna go on a line there and say he's gonna get two goals and they're gonna win three one. I can't disagree with that. I mean, for him, this is the reason why you brought him here. This is the reason why you pay him, you know, seven million a year. I think. You know he's performed in big games. He's played in uh, Coppa Italia's uh, one. I think he's won a Scudetto with uh, with uh, Juventus. So well, Juventus uh, is basically winning it almost every year. So yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't know if he was a full time player or not. I know he was a sub, but you know, so he's been there and he's he's been in big games. And you know, obviously, I also want to say he he's used to playing in the cold because turns pretty cold up there so mm-hmm. uh maybe maybe that has an effect on the game but i also think it helps that we're home it helps a lot yeah and and just to think that what seven million dollars is buying tfc just incredible considering what, I mean, what other basic, star players are based making. on based on the uh, the opportunity to win a championship and all the potential marketing dollars i mean I, I got to give credit to MLSE. I, you know, a lot of people say they're they're cheap and stuff like that, but 
I mean, you can't say they haven't tried with uh, TFC. The investment they've put in is is insane. It, it's almost two hundred million when you think about it, What's considering it? Wow. salaries for players, transfer fees paid for players, uh, the renovation for the mm-hmm. stadium, which is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, one of the nicest stadiums in North America, if not the nicest. Well, I think the nicest in Toronto, for sure. Oh, easily. I mean, I wish the Blue Jays could uh, could get the hint and, and do something like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really good times for TFC. And, obviously, there's, you know, big teams coming in in the next couple of years. And LAFC and, you know, Atlanta United paid apparently $12 million for a transfer fee, which is unheard of so i mean hopefully this is a this is a, a long long uh rush uh, run of good uh good form for the the team and hopefully they can put together a couple mls cups that would be really cool all right yeah i mean it's it's definitely i i think it's going to be one of the biggest games in recent memory for toronto sports and obviously you know you and me here talking and we were we were trying to get chris to come on the show he's he's a little too shy when it comes to soccer talk considering he's I don't. I don't know what we would call him. We would call him the guy who's uh, all big into the macho sports. And when it comes yeah. to the finesse style, he's uh, he's he's got a, he he kind of lacks the knowledge there. But uh, hopefully, he's listening, Chris. You're if you're watching that game on Saturday, you're going to be in for a treat because I think that crowd is going to be absolutely bonkers. I mean, yeah, me too. I, I'm really excited to see the game, and I, I really wonder what how. Uh how people are going to react if they win, you know, if they have a parade and how well it's intended and where it is. Cause that would definitely be really fun. That the X grounds provide a great place for, cause they march. I mean, if you've ever watched the lead ups to TFC games or if you've, I have, yeah, it's, they march march down. They, they, they've made a great atmosphere there for the fans. If they win, they are going to be, that place is going to be, cause first off that game is going late. It's starting at eight o'clock. So that game is going to be there. It's going to be late. It's going to be late night in Toronto on a Saturday night. I know the Leafs are playing. Luckily, the Leafs are going to be out of town that that night. But uh, that that area, the X grounds, are is going to be rocking. I wouldn't want to be driving in that area, but uh, it's going to be rocking if they win. No doubt about it. So with that, I wanted to thank you guys for listening. Obviously. This is our first crack at a, at a TFC podcast. We hope to have another one uh, with a good result to, to talk about after the game. So if you want to listen or look up any more of our stuff on TFC and all the Toronto sports, you can look us up on Twitter at tipofthetower.com. Go to Facebook, Tip of the Tower. You can follow me, uh, David Morrissey, at D underscore Morrissey. And you can find Jake on Twitter at Jake Middleton. Jake Middleton or Jake Middleton 13, Jake? I always forget with Jake you. Middleton 12. I Jake believe. Middleton 12. Oh, I would have totally messed that up. So It's a popular name. It's a po- Yeah, I mean, Jake Middleton, yeah, there's quite a few of those out there, especially in good old London, England. So please, uh, please take a minute to subscribe to our channels. We always have great stuff on the Raptors with Chris and uh, Damar. So please check that out if you're a big Raptors fan. If you're not, don't worry. We're going to have all the other Toronto sports coverage throughout the year. Thank you guys for listening.